Um, last week, we started off with this question of, am I willing to let Jesus lead me? And we talked about how discipleship is, is really a matter of following our rabbi, following Jesus as he, as he is traveling to this road uh, to Jerusalem. This week, we're going to take a look at the question, am I willing to let Jesus heal me? And as I started thinking about this, as I've actually thought about this, sub, this subject and this question for years, I think our first response is always, well, absolutely. You know, I have, uh, I have a thing in my life. I have an issue in my life. Absolutely, I'm willing to let Jesus heal me. But as I've seen this play out in my life, the question is a little more complicated than that, at least for me. And so this is one of these messages where um, this kind of bleeds between sermon and, and what we call in the church testimony time. So a lot of this is going to represent and reflect my personal journey, but my hunch is that some of you in this room maybe are a little bit like me and we share some of the same story. Now, to do this this morning, we're going to do something we've never done in a sermon at E3. Every once in a while, um, I have an idea that, that pops into my head that's a little creative. Every once in a while, I have a creative idea. Not often, but every once in a while, I have a creative idea, and usually that idea is followed by well, this might be the stupidest thing I've ever done. And when I have that thought, I get a little bit excited um, because it just tells me that I kind of were dwelling in a little bit of uncertainty. And so we're going to do something this morning because the, the story that we're going to be looking at is, A, it's one of my favorite stories of Jesus's life. But there's something about it that we need to not just hear. We don't just need to hear me talk about it. We need to see something about it. So I've asked a friend of mine to come up, come on up. This is Dax Akut. Everybody, welcome, Dax. Hi. Before, before we go any further, you guys should, should know that if you know the Durenbergers, we represent the totality of the names of their children, Case and Dax. So um, Dax is going to actually just going to be, in, I don't want to say playing like acting, but we're going to be talking about a guy who gets healed from Jesus. And so Dax is going to go sit over there, and essentially he's going to play uh, the role of a guy named Bartimaeus. But this is an acting thing. This is not theater. This is me talking to you. But Jesus taught in, in such a way, go ahead and have a seat. Jesus taught in such a way that, I mean, he used everything at his disposal to get his point across. And so in my mind, this is just an example of teaching in the long uh, lineage of Jesus. Because there's something about this story that I want you to get, and I don't think we can get without this. So you cool? Comfortable? I'm cool. All right. I'm comfortable. If you need a pillow or anything, just raise your hand or something. <laughs> so we're just going to start, and I'm going to walk through this text. Uh, so we're gonna, just going to do this in a very simple manner this morning. Um, this comes out of the book of Mark, Mark's, Mark's book, Mark's gospel, in uh, verse 10, chapter 46. starts this way. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Is that your loud? What shout level is that? That's my medium. Medium level. Okay. So, uh, as I said last week, the, the journey that we're taking to Jerusalem, the road, 
is not necessarily a, a chronological journey. We're going to jump around a little bit in the timeline. We're going to jump around in the Gospels. Last week, we, we looked at Luke's Gospel. This week, we're looking at, looking at Mark's Gospel. And this is actually, in Mark's Gospel, this is very close to the time that Jesus enters Jerusalem. So we've jumped ahead in the timeline a little bit. There's a couple things that I want to point out about what, um, what Bartimaeus cries out. What does he cry out to Jesus? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So, Jesus, son of David. Now, uh, this is a pretty unique phrase in Mark's gospel. Not very many people, if anybody else in Mark's gospel, use it. And son of David is a title of Jesus that indicates um, his lineage to King David. And typically, if you are the son of a king, that makes you then king eventually. So basically what Bartimaeus does is he proclaims that Jesus is king. And in Jewish terms, in Jewish conception, that would really be more like this term Messiah. So Bartimaeus, a blind guy sitting on the side of the road in Jericho, proclaims Jesus Messiah. And the reason this is really, really interesting is I, I want to get a little bit biblically geeky on you for a second. Mark's gospel, been very honest with you guys, Mark's gospel is my favorite gospel. And I want to show you how Mark sets up certain themes of his gospel. So if you were to read Mark 1, verse 1, the first statement of Mark's gospel, it says, this is what the good news about Jesus who? The Messiah the Son of God. So if you started reading Mark's gospel from Mark 1, V1, you would read a bunch of stories of Jesus teaching and Jesus healing people. And if you read it closely, one of the things you would not see for a long time in the gospel of Mark is anybody calling Jesus Messiah, Son of God. And anybody who gets close in Mark's gospel tend to be people that you don't always want to be recognizing who you are. Demons recognize who Jesus is. Very, very uh, sick people sometimes recognize who Jesus is. And in fact, what was the phrase that, that Mark's gospel starts with? Messiah, son of God. That's the, way the, that's the way the gospel starts. Let me show you where that phrase, son of God, actually finally shows up in Mark's gospel. It's in Mark chapter 15. Jesus is hanging on the cross. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was what? So, the first person in Mark's gospel that recognizes and speaks the word son of God is a Roman soldier who is the enemy of God's people, who is oppressing God's people. It's not, it's not what you would expect out of God's people. We would expect that all of the religious authorities and the leaders of the community and the people who are really, really spiritual, would recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Because he's doing all these good things. But in Mark's gospel, they don't. It's only the people on the outside who see who Jesus is. I find that fascinating. 
And it's also only when Jesus is finally hanging on the cross, suffering, is he fully recognized as the Son of God. So for that reason, I don't know if anybody else has ever called Mark's gospel this, this, but I always call Mark's gospel the gospel of the outsiders. Look, if you're on the fringe, read Mark's gospel. Because in Mark's gospel, the fringe people always see Jesus before the insiders. So it's a challenge for me because I think as a pastor, I'm sort of the ultimate insider. I need to take steps in my life to make sure that I'm hearing from people who are on the outside. What do you see about Jesus that I do not? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I would challenge you. Mark's gospel tells me that I may not know Jesus as well as I think I know Jesus. And sometimes I need to check with the people who are on the outside of this little club we call Christianity and find out about Jesus. So uh, there's one other thing that we need to kind of deal with before we get to any more of the text. Let me show you something else that's going on in the immediate context of this healing. So there are two stories of Jesus healing blind men in the Gospels. Uh, and they happen in, in a very particular section of Scripture. One is in uh, Mark 8, and then this story with Bartimaeus is in Mark chapter 10. Let me read Mark 8 to you. Maybe you've heard this before. Uh, Mark 8, verse 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the man by the hand and led him out of the village, then spitting on the man's eyes, just ooh, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. This is a really, really interesting healing if you, if you sit and think about it. I mean, what was wrong with Jesus's, did Jesus not have all his mojo that day that he couldn't just heal it in one? Why did he have to take two times? Why did he have to use spit of all things, Jesus? But nonetheless, that's the healing story we have. And, uh, and if you really kind of dug into that healing, what a lot of scholars would say is that Jesus is actually trying to tell you something about discipleship. He's actually trying to tell you something about the disciples. To jump to the end of this story, uh, scholars would say that Jesus, it takes two times to heal this guy. The first time Jesus does it, he's like, I don't really see things very clearly. And Jesus is like, well, let's go at it again. And then you, eventually he does see things clearly. And in the same way, his disciples are walking around and they're not seeing Jesus very clearly because this is what happens between chapter eight and chapter 10. Chapter eight, Mark 8, 22, the, the blind healing story we just heard. Right after that is Peter's confession. If you know the story, Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. Good, right? Jesus says then, okay, well, let me tell you what has to happen to the Christ. I have to go to Jerusalem and I have to be killed. Peter says, no, 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 Jesus. And Jesus says, you really wanna have this argument, Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Peter does not get it. The disciples don't get it. Then the disciples are having an argument. Jesus hears them. 
the disciples are having an argument about who's the greatest. And Jesus is like, <laughs> then we see another example of a disciple who wants to follow Jesus called the rich young ruler. We mentioned this last week, right? The guy's like, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus is like, well, you only have one thing left to do. What is it, Jesus? Sell everything. Darn it, Jesus. Then another argument with the disciples. Who gets to sit at your right hand, Jesus? From James and John, some of his closest friends, closest followers. And then we get to Mark 10. I think Jesus and Mark are trying to tell us something, not just about healing, but about discipleship. Who is really a disciple? Who understands Jesus? There's two blind stories, blind guys who are gonna get healed at either, either side of this, but in between, his disciples are blowing it left and right. You get that? Does that make sense? Okay. Moving on in the text, verse 48. Be quiet, many of the people in the crowd yelled at Bartimaeus, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's hear louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Awesome. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Which, if Jesus is calling a blind man to come to him, I'm like wondering if there's a little bit of, like, isn't that mean, Jesus? Like he's blind. <laughs> Why don't you go to him, Jesus? But... That's what happens. So verse 50, Bartimaeus uh, threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. How he found him, I don't know, but he did. But keep that verse in the back of your mind. So Bartimaeus comes to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, I want to see. My rabbi, I want to see. And we don't know if Bartimaeus has been blind since birth. Most scholars say he probably wasn't. But he's been blind for some time, and he knows exactly what he needs from Jesus. But you know what I find interesting about this? Is the title that he uses. See, the first title Bartimaeus uses is what? Son of David. Second title is what? Rabbi. The only problem with these two titles is that in Jewish culture and faith, Neither messiahs nor rabbis heal. There was no expectation that a rabbi would have the power to heal somebody. And there was no expectation that the messiah would have the power to heal. The messiah was, again, he was like a king, a political figure. But this one, it speaks to the way that Jesus kind of goes above and beyond any of our expectations, right? But I find it interesting that out of the two titles he uses, neither of, wit, neither of them are completely accurate to what he needs from Jesus. If he really wanted a healing, he would say, God, Yahweh, heal me. Or if Jesus was a prophet, which by the way, he was. Prophets in the Bible heal people. God heals people. But for a Jew in the first century, Messiah was not expected to heal people and neither was a rabbi. But that doesn't stop Bartimaeus. I love, I love Bartimaeus for that reason. So, 
Jesus says to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he what? Followed Jesus down the that's funny because what did we talk about? The essence of discipleship is doing what? Following Jesus down the road. And for the last two chapters in Mark, who has been blowing it? The disciples, the insiders who are following Jesus. And yet we get to this blind guy who instantly gets up. And, and in Mark's language, in Mark's language, he follows Jesus to where? Jerusalem. So to, to sum up this little part of it, let me tell you this. Mark is trying to tell you that Bartimaeus, a blind beggar on the side of the road in Jericho, he absolutely gets discipleship. He absolutely gets it. Whereas Peter and James and John, who have been arguing about who gets to sit at your right hand, Jesus, Jesus, don't suffer, Jesus, uh, Jesus, who, who's the greatest in the kingdom? They're just stumbling and fumbling and bumbling and Bartimaeus, who just simply cries out to Jesus, Son of David, uh, have mercy on me. Don't forget your lines, Bartimaeus. <laughs> so before we get... To, to, before we get to something that I find really, really interesting and really, really powerful about this message, let me just talk about healings, right? Because there is a simple, literal question to this. Am I willing to let Jesus heal me? What might it look like to be healed from a, uh, just a broad biblical perspective? Let me just kind of run through some, some things. Healings, first of all, can be physically, physical, emotional, or spiritual. Physical, emotional, or spiritual. I've known people who have received powerful physical healings. I can't explain it. So if you're a skeptic, don't come and argue with me about this. I've known a person who had terminal cancer and then did not. It wasn't something I got in, a, in an email that was forwarded 10 times. I know them. They live in my neighborhood. But healings can also be Emotional. You know, a lot of us carry around wounds from our past, some of us from our present. And a healing from God can look like those wounds being healed. And we become more complete person because of it. A, wound, a healing can also be spiritual. You see, as a person of faith, I believe that there's something... Um, unfortunately, broken about me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't even cultivate it. But I believe that to be human is to be broken. I am in need of spiritual healing. Left to my own devices, uh, this car's going over the cliff. And the only thing that can keep it from going over the cliff is Jesus Christ and my faith. So a healing, physical, emotional, or spiritual, a healing can be instantaneous or it can be a process which can involve doctors, counselors, professional people. All right, Jesus heals Bartimaeus like that. He doesn't even touch him. But the first guy 
had to get Jesus to spit on his eyes. I don't know why. But sometimes a healing happens just like that. Sometimes it happens over weeks. Sometimes it happens over months. Sometimes it happens over years. Sometimes it is supernatural and you can't explain it. Sometimes Jesus points you to a very wise, well-meaning, professional person. If you haven't got this uh, from me yet, get it now. I am in favor of counseling. As, as pastors who have influenced me profoundly say, it's just a way for me to turn down the tapes and the voices that tend to play in my head. Same thing with doctors. You can see in the, the Bible, sometimes Paul even says, hey, uh, he tells somebody, hey, drink some wine because it's good for your stomach. Even Paul says, look, you know, we need things that, are, that God provides for us in this life to help us physically, emotionally, spiritually. Last thing about healing, sometimes a healing can be painful. Anybody ever go through surgery to correct something? Just had a friend who had some surgery last week. First couple of days of recovery were excruciating. It's no different sometimes with spiritual healings. There's a woman who gets healed in Mark's gospel as well, and, and I've always been struck with, a way, with the fact that she has a very personal thing that's going on with her physically, and rather than Jesus taking her over to the side and doing it privately, he actually calls her out in front of the whole community. And I, sometimes I think how, how painful that must have been for her, but yet she risked it, all, risked it all in order to be healed. So sometimes our healing takes us to a little bit of a dark place before it takes us to a lighter place. And we have to go through that. A healing can be painful. Now, again, I've already hinted at this. As we kind of wrap this and kind of head for home, I want to return to the context that this healing takes place in, right? We start off in chapter 8. A blind man gets healed. Then we have all of these stories of the ways that the disciples blow it. Then we get to Mark 10, and we see this guy sitting on the side of the road who sees and hears Jesus coming and he says and he calls out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd him. says, no, be quiet. And he says all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy Jesus on me. Jesus turns aside and he goes over to the man and he says, what do you want me to do for you? My rabbi, I want to see. He wants to see, but that's not all that's going on here. Because what Mark wants you to know is that in, at least in this story, healing and discipleship go hand in hand. Bartimaeus, for Mark, does not just want to be healed. He wants to follow Jesus. And those two things walk so beautifully together. So I want to, uh, I want to kind of sum up what I think of this story uh, sort of next level things that jumped out at me. The first thing is simply this. Your brokenness is not a barrier to following Jesus. You see, Bartimaeus starts his journey while he's still blind. All he does is he hears, he hears that Jesus is in the vicinity and he calls out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus' blindness does not stop him from seeking Jesus. So you might be here this morning with some emotional wounds, 
some spiritual wounds, some physical wounds. You need to hear that none of those things stop you from calling out to Jesus. In fact, I dare say they give you a head start on other people because you know you have a need. See, a lot of us fool ourselves. I have fooled myself for years thinking, I'm okay. I got this. It's okay, Jesus. And all the time, what did I tell you? If I don't get a little Jesus in my life, or uh, let's be honest, a lot of Jesus in my life, where is my car going? Over the cliff. So if you know you're hurting today, guess what? He's here and he wants to hear you call out. The second thing, A complete and accurate understanding of Jesus is not a prerequisite to experiencing him. Bartimaeus uses two titles for Jesus. They are what? Jesus, son of David. And? My rabbi. My rabbi. And are either of those things, if a a rabbi actually sat down with Bartimaeus, he might sit down and go, well, Bartimaeus, actually, theologically, there's some problems with your call. What you really want to be doing here is is taking some time to call out to Yahweh, maybe looking for a prophet. That doesn't happen, does it? Bartimaeus takes what he knows about Jesus. A, he's here. I've heard that he's a rabbi. He might be the Messiah, and he just goes for it. So you might be here. This might be your first time ever in church. Maybe you've been here for a few weeks, and you're like, you know what? It's kind of cool. They have a good band and, and they have great coffee. I don't know anything else about Jesus. Guess what? That's a fine place to start. You do not have to wait until you go to first class or till you come to all in or until you go to one of the stage classes to call out to Jesus and experience him vitally. Trust me, my own life would testify to this. Long before I went to seminary, Jesus started doing things in my life that were good and that I needed. There is, however, one thing that has to happen. One thing, one thing only in Bartimaeus' story. One thing that hinges. uh, This one thing, everything depends on. You see, The text says that Bartimaeus has a a cloak. He probably has it over his legs like this, most likely. Bartimaeus, the text also says, as he sits by the side of the road near Jericho and he begs, because he's blind, right? No support structure in the first century. So everything he gets, everything he owns, gets thrown to him. And where does it land? It lands on this coat. And this coat, over time, I'm not going to hit you. (laughs) This coat, over time, comes to represent so many things for Bartimaeus, right? Comes to represent all his way of getting what he needs to get by from day to day represents his identity. I'm the guy that sits and gets money tossed to him if I'm lucky. 
comes to represent everything he knows about his world. His world, in a way, is that cloak. And the only thing that has to happen for, for Bartimaeus' life to change forever is he has to do what? He has to throw off the cloak. And when he does that, he has to leave behind everything he's ever known about his life. He doesn't need to understand who Jesus is theologically. He doesn't need to understand uh, what the atoning sacrifice of the cross is going to mean shortly. He doesn't even have to get Jesus' titles right. All he has to do is be willing to take a risk and to throw everything that he thought he knew about his life aside. So the challenge for me in my life has been, and the challenge for maybe you today is, what's your cloak? What have you come to depend on? You know that something is broken in your life. You know something is amiss in your life. And yet, and yet, you also know that there's something that you're holding on to. There's something that you will not stand up and throw off. And just think about it. Think about what Bartimaeus gets out of this if he doesn't stand up. Maybe Jesus comes over to him. But you know what Bartimaeus gets if he doesn't stand up? He gets a cloak with some coins in it. But instead, he gets up and he leaves it all behind. And he follows this man to the cross. So what is your cloak today? What is the thing that, you know, if I hold on to this thing, Jesus, I get some coins. But you also know, if I could just reach out and leave it all behind, literally, heaven knows what might be waiting for me. 